Skulagong, a tiny village of 300 people in the central west of New South Wales, is famous on two counts when it comes to horses. This is where the champion pacer Cocky Raider began a career which would lead him to dizzy heights at Harold Park. It was also the scene of a little race meeting in 1979 when a 15-year-old apprentice jockey from nearby Cowra would have his first ride in a race. Michael Carl, who went on to become one of Australia's most successful jockeys, was beaten in a photo finish on a horse called Red Afro. But to this day, he says he would have won had he been a little more aggressive. He's made up for it since, though. He's ridden well over 2,000 winners in several countries and has been in the top bracket of Brisbane jockeys for 22 years. This is a long overdue interview with a brilliant jockey and one of racing's true gentlemen, Michael Carl, online on the podcast. Great to talk to you, Michael. Good morning, John. Thanks, uh, thanks for those kind words. Our pleasure, mate. You deserve them. You're a boating enthusiast and you're out with the family on a beautiful day in Brisbane and you've been kind enough to go ashore briefly to talk to us. We're very honoured. Um, I'm the one that's honoured, John. But, uh, yeah, we, uh, we, we live on the water and we, we take our boat out when we get the chance when, it's, uh, when I'm not riding on a Sunday and the kids aren't at school. We, uh, we like to do it if the weather's kind and it's, it's that sort of day to day. So, so it's one of, the, um, one, yeah, one of my, um, my enthusiasts you could say. Mike, you've travelled a long road to reach the pinnacle of your profession and that flying handicap at Goolagong many years ago uh, must seem a heck of a long time ago. As a matter of fact, I've got to remind you, it's 40 years ago, Michael. Is that right? Yeah, well, it does. In some ways, it seems a long time ago, John. And I just still remember it clearly, though. Mm. Well, Red Afro was a city winner and the horse that beat you on the day was Captease. I can remember him winning in Sydney too. They were two good spinners, John, and they, yeah, you, to see them race a little town like Goolagong, it's probably a bit unusual, but they were both uh, city-class horses on their day. They'll probably get a, getting on a bit at that time. But Red Afro was a, was a good spinner. He was a very hard puller on the track, so my father um, couldn't allow me to ride him track work, but I, I rode him in races a couple of times. He was my first, uh, first ride. The Captease just nosed him out that day. The memory of your first win has never left you. It was a little mare called Lady Swan at Orange, and it was the day Belldale Ball won the Melbourne Cup, Michael, 1980. You went on to win a lot of races on that mare. Yeah, I did, John. She was a good mare to me. I, I uh, obtained my riding licence on her. In those days, you had to gallop a horse down the straight, and the head stewards at the time in the Central West, Dave Brown and Ned Doherty, passed me, and she was my first barrier trial uh, first horse I rode track work and subsequently my first winner. But that was a thrill and I, I'll never ever forget her, Lady Swan. At this point, we should pay special tribute to your parents, your late father, Ozzy, who passed on about nine years ago, and your mother, Margaret. Your dad was a bush jockey, later a very successful trainer, and he always gave you wise counsel and good advice, both you and your brother, Matthew. Yeah, that's true, John. We we had a very good teacher. He was very protective of protective of us um, in regards to which horses we rode early in our careers. He made sure they were um, they were the right type of horse for kids to learn on. He, he rode track work alongside us more so me. He was probably when Matthew came along, he probably wasn't riding track work as much, but he was a terrific help to us. And 
he, he taught us how to ride. Everything we um, learned about race riding, we learned from him. And, and mum was uh, just as big a help from her side. She drove us to countless race meetings early in our careers for one and two rides and taught us how to – she was big on the, the way we conducted ourselves, the way we spoke to uh, to owners and trainers and the way we uh, conducted ourselves and spoke and stewards were with inquiries. So yeah. they each played a very big part in our, um, in our careers. Yeah, Mum was a terrific support, and some of those race meetings where you and Matthew would have one or two rides could be a long way away from Cowra. Yeah, that's right, John. It was, it was um, not unusual to go two or three-hour uh, each-way trips just to, for one or two rides, but mm. they were, um, Mum was prepared to do that to give us give us our chance to, to go and experience. Now, your sister Catherine uh, began her training career when your dad, Ozzy, passed away. She only has two or three in work. I think they're all family horses, but she's done a pretty good job, Michael. She bobs up with a winner now and again. She does, John. She she's, uh, does a, a good job of her horses, Catherine. They're usually her own that she trains. As you said, she only has two or three at any one time, sometimes one, but she uh, she does them before. Her. She's a lecturer at the TAFE at Cowra, so she, she fits them in before and after work, but she's uh, she's had quite a bit of success with the, with the small teams that she, she handles. In the middle of 1982, your talents were recognised by a very high-profile Sydney trainer. Now, you came to Canterbury to ride one for Viv Miller, a Cowra trainer, horse called Idle John. He won, and your mother was approached on the day by this particular trainer. Who was it? Uh, Neville Begg, John. What did he say? Well, Neville was... uh top trainer in Sydney at the time. He was all, At that stage, he was second behind TJ Smith in the Premiership regularly and, and Neville asked Mum if it would be all right if I, um, if he was able to uh, bring me down to ride some of the horses that he wished to claim off. And, mm. of course, I was um, I couldn't really believe my luck there that I'd be uh, come under the notice of someone as uh, high profile as, as Mr Begg. Mm. But, uh, yeah, that's led to me riding more often in Sydney. So were you commuting for a while? I was, John, yeah. Mum used to drive me down. Oh, look, sometimes we mightn't go for two weeks, then I might go twice in a week, for mm. each week for three or four weeks. We'd go Wednesdays and Saturdays. A few times I flew down, mm. but it was a terrific experience for me. I was Neville asked me to, to move. He was keen for him to move and join his stable in Sydney. I was pretty reluctant. I was only young and a, a, bit, um, a bit shy and liked the country life, but it wasn't real sure about coming to the city but eventually I did move down and I did stay with Neville and his family for three months but yeah. while they were very good to me and gave me plenty of opportunities I didn't didn't enjoy the, the Sydney lifestyle I couldn't wait to get back to the bush. Mm. Well Neville Begg at the time had a big team including Emancipation and Dalmatia and some great jockeys around him. Ron Quinton of course was number one stable rider. Kevin Moses rode a lot for the stable. So did Wayne Harris and the late Stephen Jeffries, you had plenty of tutors. Yeah, there was some good, uh, good people to learn from, John. And I, I was, I was probably a bit shy, a bit, in, a little bit intimidated by them. So I should have asked more questions than I did. But Wayne Harris was very good to me in particular. Mm. As were Ron Quinton and, and Kevin Moses too. They gave me little insights that I still carry to this day. But I, I, I was really a big fan of Wayne Harris. He was an outstanding jockey. Mm. Hadn't a been through his weight problems, I think you, you wouldn't know how far he would have gone in his career, but, mm. but I used to model myself a bit on Wayne's style of riding, and, uh, and, but as you say, they were, they were terrific jockeys, terrific jockeys for a young kid to learn from. Mm. 
Mike, there were two other well-known Sydney trainers who threw you on occasionally during that three-month period. Yes, yeah. I rode, uh, well, this was even before I, I, I moved in. I was still based in the country when I mm. rode winners for Ray Guy and, and Theo Green. Mm. Theo Green had Darren Beedman apprentice to him at, at the time, but I, I rode occasionally for him. And, no, I was pretty pretty fortunate, John, to be able to ride for trainers like that. Mm. Mike, I'll get you to stand by there for a moment. We're going to pause for yep. a break on the podcast and we'll be back yep. after this. The 2019 English Premier Yearling Sale will be held at Oaklands Junction in Melbourne where 786 lots have been catalogued for four days of selling between the 3rd and the 6th of March. The Premier Sale has produced some of Australia's best performers in the last year, including Group 1 winning two-year-olds written by and Seabrook, four-time Group 1 winner Santa Anna Lane and the exciting three-year-old Ring-a-Ding-Ding. The 2019 Premier Catalogue is bursting with quality and features siblings to 73 stakes winners and eight Group 1 winners, including Boom Time, Shocking, Pinker Pinker and Seabrook. The sale will be held at a New Look Oaklands Complex, which is undergoing an $8 million refurbishment, making it one of the best auction houses in the world. The dates again, March 3rd to March 6th, and catalogues are available online at inglis.com.au or in hard copy for the 2019 Premier Yearling Sale. Well, after that three-month stint with Neville Begg, you couldn't get back to the bush quickly enough. But your travelling wasn't over, Michael. You decided to take a job for Mike Willisey and Gary Kirkup at the Transmedia Stud, I think at Cootamundra, wasn't it? And you actually lived there. That's right, John, I did. I'd been riding quite a bit in the Riverina, predominantly for David Hayward at Wagga, and uh, Mike Willisey decided to get most of his horses trained on his on his stud farm there at the uh, at Cootamundra, it had a nice track on it, and Gary Kirkup was the trainer, mm. and and Gary asked me if I'd be interested in coming to ride for him, and they had a lot of well-bred young horses, so I was only too happy, mm. and we had pretty good success there for two, I was there for two and a half years before I moved on, but we, we had good success, we had some nice young horses. Yeah, you rode some nice horses in that period, probably the best of them, Michael, was a mare called Ice Cream Sunday. She won 12 races and you were on board for seven of those wins and two in town, I might add. Yeah, John, she won her first four. I hadn't ridden her a lot before she made a debut at Wagga, but Gary uh, had a pretty good opinion of her and, and she, she was a very good mare. Now, you were at Transmedia when they stood a couple of high-profile stallions too. Which ones do you remember? Yeah, I certainly remember those two. Uh, Riverton came there and so did Snippets and... Mm. What a success. Well, Rebton was a good enough side on his own right, but Snippets turned out to be an outstanding success. Mm. And what about Sovereign Red? Sovereign Red was already there and Sadapa, and mm. they were both uh, both good size. But Sovereign Red, he was a favourite of mine. He, he used to stamp a lot of his progeny with the same markings as himself with big mm. blazers and baldy faces and white mm. stockings. They, re they really caught the eye, and, and, and what a su successful side he has been over the years too. Mm. And not only that, a brood mare sire as well. Yes, well, your next appointment uh, was to be stable jockey for the very strong Richard Freyer stable. That was a good association too. Yeah, it was, uh, John. I was with Richard for probably about 18 months, I'd say, but he was a powerhouse in, in the Riverina, had been for a long time, and his father before him. So I was, uh, 
I was honoured to be asked to, to ride for them, and and I did. I had a lot of success in that area uh, for Richard and his family, and he was a very good trainer. Had a big team of horses, and and that was another good experience. I rode at places like the Nelequin, Berrigan. I even rode at Hay one time. That mm. rode on a lot of those far flung. Uh, Western Riverina tracks, but as, as well as Albury and Wagga and the, and the main places. But when you're riding for a big stable like that, you couldn't you couldn't help but have success. I was lucky enough to be able to steer them. It must have been around 1994 when a very astute trainer called Eric Sanford got you to ride some horses at the Grafton July Carnival, and I think Jack Gallagher uh, was also keen to use you if you were prepared to go to that carnival. You were, you won some races, and you stayed for a couple of weeks for the Coffs Harbour Carnival, which followed. Yeah, I did too, John. I'd ridden a good horse for Eric Sanford when I was 17 called Water Wagon. Mm. I think he won about four or five in a row. I won on him at Canberra one day. But rode a little bit for Eric infrequently, but he, uh, Jack Gallagher originally asked me if I was interested in going to Grafton and Coffs Harbour and I, for those carnivals, and I, I was keen to do it. And Eric... Uh, Eric was there as well, and I picked up rides on his horses, which won, and then they they came onto the Gold Coast and won as well. Now, you must have been getting a bit keen on the warmer weather up there. I think something happened to you during that Grafton and Coffs Harbour Carnival. You thought, I don't mind it up here in the north. Yeah, you're absolutely right, John. I've always been a fan of the uh, the warm weather. I've, it's very cold at Cowra in the middle of winter, early in the morning when you're up riding track work, and I... It's something I've always desired, to live in a warm climate. And uh, when the opportunity arose, I thought, oh, well, I'd, I'll give this a try for a while. Now, Mike, not long after this, you received a very interesting proposal from the late, great Bruce McLaughlin, who had a big team in work at his beautiful Thornhill Park property at Caboolture. What was the offer? Well, the McLaughlin stable called me, John, and asked me if I'd be interested in riding their horses here at the Gold Coast. As you know, the Gold Coast race every Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a pretty – I thought about it long and hard. I was toying with the idea of move. if I had have gone back to the Central West, I was toying with the idea of moving to Canberra to ride for uh, Gary Kirkup and, and Frank Cleary, which would have been a pretty good job, I think, riding for both those stables. So I had to weigh it up a bit. But at the end of the day, I thought I'll – I'll give it a go here for three months on the Gold Coast. It's a nice lifestyle, nice warm weather, and mm. I just had to go to Thornhill Park of a Monday morning and, and ride track work. One day a week. One day a week, and I knew Barry Bowditch was training here successfully at the Gold Coast. I, I had ridden for him when he when he was based in Wagga, yep, so I, right. I knew I was going to get some support from Barry, so I thought I'll yeah. base myself at the Gold Coast and travel up to Thornhill Park one day a week, and, and that's how I started off here, John. Yeah. Now, when you were going to Thornhill Park... Brian York, of course, would have been uh, Bruce McLaughlin's number one jockey, so you'd ride work a lot with Yorkie. That's right, John. Brian York was number one. Eddie Wilkinson was there, number two, and uh, Jim Byrne was riding as well. He had a um, – and once again, they were all very good jockeys, and Brian York, very nice guy, helped me in my early stages here, and, uh, yeah, it was a um, – it was a pleasure to be here. It gave me a great start in Queensland anyway. To, to, to ride for a big stable like that brought me under notice from other trainers and I, I quickly gained support here, but it was, a, it was a very good start for me. I was very fortunate. Mm. You were almost 30 when you made this very important move and you had a new wife who would have found the Gold Coast very different to her native England. 
<laughs> yeah, that's right, John. She's uh, she's from Liverpool, where the uh, the winters are pretty long and harsh there, and certainly uh, the outdoor climate's not that good. Maxine uh, came through the riding schools in England. She's a riding instructor. She didn't have any experience with race horses, but she was certainly uh, didn't have any qualms about the, the nice climate here as well. We'll talk more about Maxine a little later in the interview, but getting back to your fresh start on the Gold Coast, under the arrangement with Bruce McLaughlin, you were stuck on the Gold Coast. You couldn't go to Brisbane, to Eagle Farm or Doombin if you wanted to. Not, not of a Saturday, John. No, I rode, I'd, I'd ride there midweek, but I probably was only, you know, getting two to four rides in mm. those days. But, yeah, I, I, and, and I, I never really harboured any desire to ride in Brisbane permanently. I was happy enough to come here and make a a good go of it riding at the Gold Coast. They do race here every Saturday and mm. I had ambitions to be the leading rider. And uh, so, yes, I didn't have, have any great intention to, to go to Brisbane full-time. Mm. Around 1997, Gerald Ryan set up shop on the Gold Coast and this was another good break for you because you quickly became his number one rider. Yeah, that's right, John. I started writing track work for Gerald, and he was a uh, terrific help to me at that stage of my career. He had some pretty good horses, and he gave me a lot of opportunities, and I was uh, I was able to um, to ride a lot of winners for Gerald, a lot of winners in Brisbane. By that time, I'd probably already been riding in Brisbane on a Saturday, but mm-hmm. established myself there. But Gerald was a terrific help to me, and and really, um, really probably took took me to another level, you could say, I suppose, in regards yeah. to, to big races. So your arrangement with Bruce McLaughlin had finished by this? Pretty much by then, John, yes. My, my, my first big winner in Queensland was the Eyeliner Stakes at Ipswich on a South Australian horse, Corregidor. Mm. And uh, after that, I sort of pretty much became a regular on the, on the Brisbane circuit full-time then. Mm-hmm. You certainly even though I still, Even though I still base myself at the Gold Coast to this day, I, 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 I've ridden, always ridden in Brisbane on a kind of Saturday. Yeah. Well, the winners were flowing freely in 1998 when you got the option on a short-term contract in Singapore. Was this your first time out of Australia? It was, John, yes. And I, early in my career, I never really harboured any desire to ride overseas, but as I got older and I, um, my, um, my thoughts changed and I, I really, really had a bit of a hunger to, to ride internationally. I was very uh, passionate about international the, the, the different styles riding styles you see in different countries and I was even though I was 31 or whatever it was I was still very uh still really harbored a strong desire to learn and to improve myself mm. and I thought I can do that by riding in in different countries against different jockeys from different places and 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 I did and that that opportunity came up to go to first to Malaysia then into Singapore and, and that really uh, brought me on as a jockey too, I, I think, riding. I rode against some very good jockeys in Singapore in those days, Daryl Holland, Opie Bosson from New Zealand, Greg Childs, mm. then it was a, it, Olivia Deleuze from France, but it was, it was a great learning curve for me. Well, that's the end of segment one with one of Australia's most respected jockeys. In segment two, Michael Carl talks about Falvalon, the fastest horse he's ever ridden. He talks about the worst fall of his long career, He recalls successful riding stints in Hong Kong and Macau and he reminisces about the big races he's won and the talented horses that have made it all possible. That'll be segment two with Michael Carr. 
Monday, April 8th until Wednesday, April 10, 2019 are the dates for the English Australian Easter Yearling Sale, the most important and influential yearling sale in this part of the world. While the final catalogue isn't released until January, it's shaping to be one of the best ever. There's a three-quarter brother to the Autumn Sun, a full brother to Merchant Navy, a half-brother to Shoals, a full brother to Brazen Bow, a three-quarter brother to Lankan Rupee, a full sister to John Snow, a half-brother to Unforgotten, a half-sister to Catchy, a half-brother to Dundeal, a half-brother to I Victory, a half-sister to She Will Reign, a three-quarter brother to Seamus Award, and a half-brother to Pino. Stallions with progeny in the sale are Schnitzel, Fastnet Rock, I Am Invincible, Reduce Choice, Sebring, Piero, and Written Tycoon. There's a strong international flavour with sires like Lord Canaloa, Deep Impact, Frankel and Tappet. There are 42 siblings to Group 1 winners and the progeny of 35 Group 1 winning mares. The preview magazine is available now and the final catalogue will be out in January.